if, let, let, I mean, just think about this. What if somebody who was so far from God that has been so hurt by the church walks into our church one day and hears a message that God loves you right where you're at and instead of being defensive at the church and at God because those two things go hand in hand, that they go, you mean somebody genuinely cares about me right where I'm at? There's a difference between loving you where you're at and accepting you for where you are at. I don't have to accept a lifestyle, but I can love a person. And, I, and, and, and even though I may be against a certain lifestyle as far as how I accept it and see it through biblical truth, it doesn't devalue somebody. Matter of fact, God says he loves everybody, and so he wants, his, the Bible actually says that his heart is that none should perish. Not a Democrat or a Republican. Not, a, not, not somebody who's gay or straight, not somebody who uh, is dealing with past hurts and angers and somebody who is a gossiper. God wishes that none should perish. Listen, our church motto here um, is, is simple. It's, I guess you could say it's our motto. It's on so many of the things. It says, it's freedom from your past. Freedom to find your purpose. Freedom from your past freedom to find your purpose. I believe that those two things go hand in hand. You really can't do the latter without the first part. So many times we come to church and we're just looking for a change. We're looking for something new. God, I need something new in my life. God can't produce new until you get healed from your hurt. And we try to compile God onto our hurt onto our scars, onto the pain that we hold onto. And, and the problem is that we go, well, I don't feel any different. God isn't just about feelings. Now, I believe we get there. I believe that God is a God of emotion, and he uses those appropriately. But how we can't just add God on top of everything that's happened. We have got to be able to come to God and say, God, I have some messed up things in my life, and I need you to heal me. I've I, I got some hurts I got some things that have messed me up. I got some fears in my life. I got some pains. I've got some relationships that have just completely done me wrong. I have done people wrong. I have hurt people and I've been hurt. And if you don't allow God to heal you, how can he then move you to that next step? And so many times we just want the second part. We, wanna, we want the next step without the healing because the healing, it's, it's hurtful sometimes. It, it dredges through. It brings up stuff that we just try to shove down. And God says, I want to I walk with you through life so that you can find freedom from your past, so that you can find your purpose. Can I tell you that the problem is we get stuck so many times in the middle, the meanwhile, the waiting. Today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about working in the waiting. So many times in life, we get in this, this middle ground where we've come to church, where, where we're like excited about this life change that Jesus is doing in our life. And, and, and then we go like, I know who I, I want to become. I know where God, I want to go. Or, or God gives us a dream and we're like, yeah, that's where I want to go. And we get excited about the promise, but there's a process between the promised dream and the fulfillment and that waiting time. What do we do with that? Because that's where a lot of people end up walking away from God or walking away from church because they get hurt or they don't know how to fight through it or they don't know how to process what they're walking through. Um, I'm going to share a lot of scripture because I want you to see the biblical words of what God is talking about is working in the waiting. I want to start with Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Oh, God just called you beautiful. But he said, he said, I made everything. Are you a part of everything? then he made you beautiful for the right time. 
<laughs> Some of y'all need to wake up and say, maybe it's not my time. I just need to go back to bed. I'm just, I'm, no, I'm just saying, listen, I have those days. Not, not personal. Don't take it personal. These aren't fighting words. I'm saying, listen, I wake up sometimes and go, hmm, not my day. Not a beautiful day for me. I'm going to go back to bed. It's all good. Listen, it's okay. But he said, he says, listen, he says, yet yeah, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. I love this next line. It's probably one of the most poetic lines that I absolutely love reading. He says, he has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said this, that said that if, if there's a longing for something on this earth that the world cannot give me, then it must, be me, it must mean that I was made for something more. That's not word for word, that's, but that's, in essence, what C.S. Lewis said. I love that, that, that if, if there's a longing in this world that nothing else can provide for me, there's not, there's not a, 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 a female, there's not a male, there's not a job, there's nothing that can, that can fill that God-shaped whole bit. It's because God placed eternity in your heart so that you would be longing for him at some point. So, so he says that, that he planted eternity in the human heart but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. So even though he planted eternity in your heart, what he's saying in this last part where it says uh, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end is saying, listen, you're not going to see his plan play out. I mean, all you control freaks, this is like tough for you because God says you have to trust me. You, you, can't, you can't tell God how you want life to, to work out. And that, that's tough for people. We want to have the answers. We want to know. Every, we don't want to just know the next step. We want to know five steps from now. And, and God says, it's not your job to know everything that I'm going to do in your life. Five years from now, it could look completely different than it does right now in your life. For some of you, you can look back five years ago and you can go, I never thought I would be here. I can tell you, me and Stephanie can look back five years and go, we never thought we'd be here. Now, I, I knew, and this is the, the idea of it, I knew five years ago God was working in us that a shift and a change was coming in our life, that we were going to be taking a step in leadership that is different than where we were. But I didn't even know what that looked like yet. Then God started to piece the puzzles together. Little, little pieces by little piece, and, and he would put one little thing in front of us, and we'd go, oh, that's interesting, but we didn't know, because if we would have known, and I've said this before, if, if God would have said, hey, by the way, you're going you're gonna to leave everything you know, you're going to leave all your friends, you're going to move to a place you know nobody, and a year after you start the church, I'm going to put a pandemic on the whole world that's going to mess up your whole plans. I could tell you right now, I'd have thrown a five-year-old tantrum and said, I'm not going nowhere, God. I'm comfortable right where I am. And here's the thing is so many times if God showed us what five years look like, we see the promise, but he doesn't show you what you're going to have to walk through because what, who you need to be five years from now needs some training and some growing and some struggling in the midst of the process. Charles Spurgeon says this. It's not up there, but I want to read you a quote from him. He says, if the Lord Jehovah makes us wait, we don't like to wait. Let us do so with our whole hearts, for blessed are all they that wait for him. He is worth waiting for. The waiting itself is beneficial to us. It tries our faith. 
Like, none of this sounds very popular. Uh, exercises patience. Get to the good stuff. Trains submission. Nope, not there yet. And endures the blessing when it comes. The Lord's people have been a waiting people. You read all throughout the Bible. There's no, never a moment where God was like, hey, there's this really great stuff that's going to happen. I'm just going to make it happen right here. You're not going to even have to do anything. Because he doesn't, he, he didn't want, well, that's not true. Because there's time where, where uh, Israel was whiny babies and they're like, we want food. And he was like, manna. We don't even know what that is. It just says, <laughs> bless, you know, it's just, it's just, it literally, food fell from the sky. Now, if you go to my old church in California, uh, California, California, manna was deep fried Twinkies. I'm, they would make it during the Halloween festival with deep fried Twinkies. That was manna for us. But listen, he, he, the, he would literally fall manna from the sky and, and doves from the sky, and, they, and then they started complaining that they were being fed too much. I don't know, I guess. But most of the time, there's a waiting process, and it's beneficial. To, it tries our faith. It exercises patience. It trains submission. It endears the blessing when it comes. I like what John Ortberg said this. It's up here. It says, biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. That's not waiting. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. There's a waiting period in all of our lives that we have to go through so that we can see the promise and the benefit of who God is in our life. God, listen, not one of you sitting in here is, is, is sitting here just void like a robot, doesn't have a dream and a purpose. Not one of you. Not one of you did God create and say, well, I'm just gonna have you walk this earth and, you know, whatever. The problem is when I say that, some of you go, well, I don't have this calling to like move to Africa and save the babies or start a, a business that makes multi-million dollars. I'm not like you, Pastor Scott. I'm not willing to move halfway across the country and start a church. That's okay. Because in all of us, there's a purpose and there is a dream and there's something that God, and listen, these are seasonal. There's times where God, you know, from one season to one season will birth different dreams in your life. And God will say, hey, I want you to go and do this. For some of you, it may be stretching you out of your comfort zone with people. That's a bad dream. I know for some of you, for some of you, for, for people like me, I could, I could make friends with a tree. <laughs> Name it and, you know, have conversations with it. For some of you, God's saying, I have a dream where you're going to step out and I'm going to use you because, because the world wouldn't think that I could use the, the quiet person to spread the gospel. So watch me. God says, I, I, people don't think that, the world doesn't think that God can take the messed up drug addict and turn them around and, and use their story to bring healing to other people's lives. And he says, watch me plant the dream in somebody's life and watch them step out and fulfill the promise. For some of you, it is what you do for a living. And God says, watch the dream that I give you and watch how I use it. Question is, are we asking God, what is my dream? What are the promises and the purposes of my life? See, listen, we all like the prize of winning at something, right? I don't know one person that says, man, I hate winning prizes. I hate free stuff. I hate things that come into my life that I wasn't expecting. I don't know one person that would say that. We like the prize of winning at something, but few are willing to push through the process. We like the idea of being called champion, winner. 
But we don't like the process that it takes to have the champion spirit and champion mentality. We like the promise. You're going to win something. You're going to be great. You're going you're to do something purposeful. We love the prize. We love standing there going, look at what I've done. Look at, look at the promise and, and look at the fulfillment of this promise. What we don't like is the process. But can I tell you this morning that process is what makes the promise. Without the process, we don't enjoy the promise. Without the valleys, we don't enjoy the mountaintops. Without the tough times and the struggles, we don't savor the victories in our life. I'm going to talk today through the story of Joseph. We're not going to read all of it. Lord knows we couldn't. It's from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. That's a lot of reading, and I don't feel like doing that. Okay, but we're going we're gonna to skip through these and I'm going to pick out a couple of points that I think we can learn through Joseph's life. Joseph was, uh, was one of the sons of uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There we go. Sometimes oh, I got to remember, right? And so he was the beloved child. He had 12 sons, which, which, which were the birthing of the 12 tribes. And, 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 and here Joseph was, we all know, you know, the coat of many colors, and he was beloved, and, and all of his brothers hated him because he was the favorite, right? And, and if you ask any parent, there are no favorites, right? Yeah. Now, uh, unless you're my parents because you're sitting in my church, and of course I'm your favorite. Um, and I'm the one with the microphone, so I can create the story. Uh, and so <laughs> Joseph was 17 years old. Think about this. How many of you, 17, were, 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 were strong enough and mature enough to, to, to have a promise for a fulfillment of life? Joseph, at 17, has a dream that God gives him, and the dream is his brothers bowing down to him. Now, as a brother of uh, four... I'd be like Joseph too. He gets the dream and he goes to his brothers and he's like, <laughs> God gave me a dream. Want to know my dream? And his brothers were like, I could care less. He's like, Let me tell you my dream. My dream was y'all bound down to me. How do you think the, the brothers that already hated him, how do you think that made them feel? Eh, they didn't like it very much, but he said, he said, ah, you're going to bow down to me. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the champion. Then he has another dream. And he says, he, he, then he brings his dad, 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 you got to hear this dream. Dad, dad, check this out. I'm going to have a dream. I had another dream. And guess what? You and, and, and my brothers and the whole family, y'all bowed down to me. I'm just saying, them sound like fighting words in a family, right? And, 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 and so the, even, look, even his dad gets a little like, you say that I'm your father's going to bow down to you? I don't think so. See, God gave him a dream, but he wasn't necessarily mature enough to handle it yet. He, he had a dream, and, and a lot of times we have a dream, and we think that means just to start running with, just start doing stuff. And, and the reality is God has a process that he wants to walk you through to see the fulfillment. See, in his head, he's like, ooh, y'all going to bow down. I can't wait. Somebody's going to come and anoint me. I'm going to be like king or something. He had no clue what he was about to walk through. He had no clue the process that he would have to go through to get to the promise. So my first point to you today is that God wants you to have faith in the promised future. Most of the time, you're not going to know how to handle the promise that God gives you right away. You'll get excited. Listen, some of you, some of you have a job. Some of you have a career that you love. 
Some of you are retired in this room, and, and you're like, I don't have to wake up and do anything. I do what I want. And that's nice. But God births in us. Listen, I don't care if you're 7 or 77. God can give you new dreams. And how we handle them necessarily isn't right, the right way. Do you think Joseph, it was right for Joseph to rock up to his brothers and be like, bro, you're going to bow down to me, sucker? And I'm sure he said it just like that. At least that's how I envision it. Because at 17, you don't handle the dream properly. When God births something in you, you don't necessarily handle it properly all the way, but you do have to have the faith to believe that God is going to give you what he's promised you. Typically, God-given dreams are bigger than yourself, and they scare the heck out of you, even in careers. Like, how am I ever going to do that? How how, how am I ever going to be what what I feel like I need to be? I've got a passion for this that God has put in my life. How am I ever going to get there? But can I tell you that hope drives our determination for change? Faith is what, what helps us see the future. Hope drives us to it. And it says, I believe that God has given this, and, and so I'm going to move forward. So listen to, um, um, I've already told you Joseph's dream. We're not going to read it. We're going to skip Genesis 37, uh, 5 through 7, but that's where he tells his brothers to dream, and they, they don't like it. God birthed a faith and a dream into his life, but he had no clue what the process was going to be. Some of us in this room have stopped believing in promise giving. Some of us have stopped believing in dream birthing and faith feeling, miracle making God because you have allowed the world around you to steal your hope and your faith. And can I, can I encourage you, dream again? Allow God to, to, to revive the voice in him that would say, you have a purpose, now let's go find it. And once again, when I'm saying that, I'm not saying some awe-inspiring big, it could be. It could, you, God could call you to start a ministry that changes the world or changes Camden. He can do that, and he does do that all the time with normal people. It could also be, hey, listen, I want the next generation of your family to be different, and so let's work on some things, and let's, let's deal with some things, and then I want you to, when, when, when you have kids of your own, I want you to pass this on, and, and so the dream is to be the best parent that you possibly can be. That may scare you because of your generational issues in family. Listen, um, we, we know what it means to walk people through generational hurt after generational hurt and then come out on the end of the promise. We've stopped believing that God can speak into our life, can build faith and to give us promises and dreams. Well, we'll believe it for somebody else. But we can't believe it for ourselves. Can I tell you it doesn't happen by accident? I believe that the reason why God was giving Joseph dreams was because Joseph was connected to the God of the dream. And so his faith was built and connected, and it, and it, was, and it was what charged him. And so when he was connected to God, God said, here's the dream I have for you, Joseph. So the encouragement is, if you want to know your purpose, if you want to hear God speak to you and and, and lead and guide you, then you got to stay connected to the source. you got to be willing to to go in and and, and really don't don't just let be prayer something over food. Don't let it be something that you hear on Sunday mornings, but let it be something that drives you. Go on a walk and pray. Go, Go put on some worship music in your living room and just sit and just pray for a little bit. If you've got the capability of it, you can do it laying down, but I don't advise that. 
Typically, you end up talking to Brother Sheet and Sister Pello. Spend some time with God and ask him, why are we afraid to ask God? God, show me my purpose. And not just once. Do it until you know he's shown it to you. God, there's a lot of things I want. World peace, blah, blah, blah. I want my purpose, though. God, I, I want to be a part of a church that does life-changing things, but God, I want to know my purpose. God, God, I want to be a great husband and father, but God, I also want to know what have you birthed inside of me in this season of life that I'm walking through? God, what is my purpose? And he will be faithful to show you. Now, maybe it may be something simple. Like I've told you all about our friend, Laura Rains, who's here in Camden. One of her purposes is to just meet somebody new every single day. Well, how's that life-changing? If you've met Laura, meeting her, that's life-changing. She is happy and, 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 and just life. She is, she is literally life opening her mouth and speaking to you. She wants to bless you and she wants to tell you about Jesus. She, she just wants to share life with you. I think there are going to be people when we get to heaven, there's going to be a list, a line of, of people for Laura and she's not even going to know and she's going to be like, because you stopped me at Walmart just to find my name and to know who I am and, and, and you know what? It really got me thinking about my life and so I started going to my friend's church and I gave my life to Christ just because you stopped and you wanted to know me and you just, you just randomly talked to me about Jesus for a moment. I think there will be people in heaven that, will, that she won't even know. That's a purpose. Jacob's dreams caused even his own family to turn on him, but God was there birthing it in him and giving it to him and about to walk him through the process. And so we have to have the faith to walk through those purposes. What else do we find in Jacob's life is that what will God do in your meanwhile? What will God do in your meanwhile? What do you mean? Genesis 37, 36. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar and an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. Now, what happened between giving of the dream and he, now he's sold into slavery? What the heck happened? I'll tell you what happened. His brothers hated him and they wanted to kill him and they put him in, a, in, in the ground and they were going to kill him. And one of his brothers said, don't do it. Let's not do this. And instead, they sold him into slavery. Could you imagine hating somebody in your family so much that you sold them into slavery? Like, well, God, I didn't kill them. They're still alive. But he was sold into slavery. Meanwhile, Joseph went from a beloved son who, who was the favorite of his father to somebody who was now sold into slavery. And he was the bottom of the barrel. He had to do whatever was being told. And he got sold to the captain of, uh, named Potiphar. And here's the crazy part. You think that Joseph ever thought that that was going to be the, the, the way his story was written? No. He had a dream. He was, going to be, he was going to be in charge. People were going to bow down. That's what he thought. But in the meanwhile, God has this whole other direction. And he says, no, you're, there's some things you're going to have to learn. There's some things you're going to have to grow through. There's some things that I need to show you in you yet. And he, he allows his brothers to sell him into slavery. While life is moving around you and you feel inadequate, stuck, trapped, left behind, if you allow God to, he will work in you and on your behalf. Never give up. Don't, don't allow the circumstance to change your faith. 
Do you still believe when you walk through tough times that God is a God of miracles, that he's a faith builder? Because these are things that we learn in the process of walking through our meanwhile is that he does show up. He is building our faith. He is giving us wisdom. Sometimes he's killing our pride. You don't think that it didn't kill Joseph's pride? Walking around like, I got a coat of many colors. I'm the man. Y'all gonna bow down to me. See who's big and bad now, bro. You gonna bow down to me. Blake's like, watch it. I'm going to sell you into slavery. <laughs> you don't even know yet. Just smile. You don't think that when he, was wa- when he was literally being traveled in a cage and being sold like a piece of meat, that it didn't kill his pride? But I'm supposed to be the big man on campus. You're supposed to bow down to me. No. There's some things in you that still need to come out before you can get to the place where you can lead with purpose. See, there's some things in you that need to, to be, need to be worked out for God to use you and grow you so that the world can see all that it needs to see in you. There are things in each and every one of us that God is going, I'm going to make you walk through this. It's not going to feel good, bro, but I promise you, at the end of the day, you are going to see that in the meanwhile, I'm working best for you if you'll just trust me. If you hold on to your faith, if you'll hold on to what I'm doing, if you will hold on to the promise that I gave you that you are going to do this, you will learn in the process. I wrote this. God, not, not, it's not anything super. I'm just saying that while I was doing the message, God kind of like in my head. And God doesn't waste our time. He redeems it. All that wasted time in your life? Oh, I wish I would have known this back then. Would you have used it appropriately? Probably not. Oh, I wish I, wish I would have had this, you know, I, you hear this uh, about relationships. Oh, I wish I would have found this person 20 years ago. W- would you have been good for them then? Or maybe did you have to walk through some things and grow in who you are for it to be the right time with the right person? Oh, I wish I would have had this job all along, but would you, have, would you have done it properly? Would you have lived within the purpose of what God has called you to in the middle of that? Or would you have had to walk through some things so that God can grow you in them and give you wisdom? And, and I can tell you for myself, I had to walk through a season where God brought me down to another level. Psalms 3.12 says this, not that I have already obtained this, this is Paul speaking, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul's very encouragement is never stop. Don't ever think you've arrived. Don't ever think that you are, 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 are the, the top dog and where you need to be. Keep pressing. Put God first. Make sure that your relationship with God is tight before anything else. Make sure that your faith is founded on on the gospel and on God's word and asking the Holy Spirit to guide and lead me. Holy Spirit, shut my mouth when I... Listen, there are many times where I want to say something or write something or make a phone call (laughs) and sometimes I'll go through the motion. You write the text out. Make it feel good. Delete that bad boy. Put it away. Because the world would say, go ahead and do it. You've got every right to. You live in America. Freedom of speech. 
But do I have the freedom to push somebody away from God to where they'll say, oh, you call yourself a Christian. Oh, you call yourself holy. And then listen, that's not saying that you're perfect. It's not saying that you won't make mistakes. We all have, we all will, we still will do. Okay, but I want the Holy Spirit living inside of me so much so that when I go to open my mouth, Jiminy Cricket comes along and says, shut up, Scott. Don't do that. And so there's a process that we learn this through. You know how you learn? You make a mistake. It's funny to me that people want to be perfect the first time. How many have ever done something the first time and got frustrated? Why? Why? Because we want to be perfect. I know somebody that uh, we were talking recently. She goes, she, she says, yes, that's got to be who I am. That's why I've got a guitar sitting in my closet that I've never picked up because I wasn't perfect at it the first time. What? That's like just picking somebody out and going, Rodney, go play drums today. Better be perfect on time, perfect beat. Better throw some uh, nice little smooth uh, rolls in there and stuff. No. There's a process. You got to sound horrible to get to good. You do. Now, the question is, are you going to make horrible out in front of everybody else? Or are you going to do it in the, the confines of learning and the process of becoming good at what God has called you to do? It is a process that we learn, and God doesn't waste that time. He redeems it. He says, put in the hours, put in the practice. Shut your mouth sometimes. Or open your mouth. I can't invite them to church. I can't, I can't pray for that person. Yes, you can. That is the enemy stealing the voice that God has given you to show them God's love. Yes, you can. You have purpose in you. You have purpose in your voice. You have purpose living. You have all of eternity living in your heart. You have literally the, the kingdom of God walking around with you. How can you sit there and say that you don't have the power of God to speak life into other people? Genesis 39, 2 through 5 says this, the Lord was with Joseph. Think about this. He's in slavery. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of this Egyptian master. When, look, look at this line. This is such a great line. When his master saw what? That Joseph was a good-looking guy and, and was really good with money? No. When he saw that Joseph was super smart and had like five degrees? No. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted his care, everything he owned, from the time he put in charge of his household, all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. In other words, Joseph didn't have to do anything other than to follow God, and his master saw it. Joseph didn't walk around going, oh my God, I was supposed to be king, now I'm just a slave. God, you suck. How many times have we said that? How dare you, God, make me walk through this hell? God, why would you do this? Have I hit a nerve yet? <laughs> Come up with another sentence that maybe you've said? We've all said these things. But God, why? Because I need to teach you something because I need to grow your faith, because I need you to lean in and know that I am the redeemer. I am the purpose giver. And when you lean into me and you trust me, other people are going to notice.
when his master saw that the Lord was with him. They may talk bad about you, but if you live faithfully, they're going to see what is in you. You don't have to defend yourself. You you don't have to make yourself known. God will do that for you. God will take care of you. Joseph just went about his business. Okay, now I'm a slave? Cool. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve Potiphar and I'm going to do the best I can. And what happened? All of Potiphar's life uh, was more successful than ever before to the point where Potiphar said this, I don't care. Blake, do your thing. I trust you. Want money? You're in charge of it. Want my possessions? You're in charge of it. Hey, listen, the only thing I ask of you, don't touch my wife. Seriously, that was the only thing that Potiphar said. Listen, you, you, ha- you are in charge of everything. When you speak, it's like I'm speaking. Just don't touch my wife. And that's going to come into play in just a minute. Because Joseph was a man of honor. And he said, cool. See, even in the worst of his life, Joseph served God and put God first. And he was faithful. And people saw it. And it changed. Listen, Joseph's situation changed drastically. But his relationship with God stayed the same. Does your relationship with God change when your situation does? You want to talk about that's where some of the change needs to happen. Don't let your situations change your relationship with God. Well, I'm walking through a hard time, and so I stop reading my Bible. Red flag. Well, man, you know what? I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm really going through it. I just feel, ah, I just feel, uh. So I stop praying. Red flag. I'm telling you. When you're growing and when you're going through the hard times, the worst thing you can do is pull back from faith building. That's when you got to press in. The third thing that we learn from Joseph is you got to run from the traps. <laughs> oh, you got to run from the traps. You don't, listen, she, now listen, I'm not, don't come at me after this. Oh, she, huh? It's just, listen, his trap was a she, okay? She, a.k.a. Potiphar's wife, came and grabbed him by the cloak. This woman was desperate for some Joseph. She was like, hey. But but seriously, I mean, this wasn't even a one-time thing. This was, Potiphar's wife, literally day in and day out was like, yo, come sleep with me. Like, you don't read the Bible. It literally says that. It literally says that she would come to him and say, come to bed with me. This, like, is, she wasn't even like trying to be cute. She wasn't even being like, so what are you doing? I left some of uh, Potiphar's stuff in here. Will you come grab it? No. <laughs> Who wants my man card? <laughs> she wasn't even playing. She was like, yo, I want your body. This was Potiphar's wife. And it said that, you know, she would have been good looking because she was like the captain's wife. And it says that he was really good looking. That's why she wanted him or some Joseph. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran from the house. He did the right thing. He said, not today, Satan. He said, gotta go. Busy. And he, he tore himself away. He wasn't like, well, you know, no. He said, I got to go. You're a purpose killer. You're the thing that's going to keep me from fulfilling my dream. You're going to get me killed. 
You're going you're gonna to get me to be lazy. You're going you're gonna to get me to be prideful again. No, you're going to draw me into the things that I fought so hard to leave in the past, and I'm not going to let you. And so I'm going to leave. And he did the right thing, and he turned, and he left his cloak, and he ran away from the thing that was going to hold him back. You got to run from the traps. What things have you allowed the enemy to draw you into that are not of God? Oh, it's no big deal. It's not hurting anybody. It's not as bad as it sounds. I, I can handle myself. And God's on the outside going, I have so much more for you. Just say no to the trap. Say no to it. Just run, run from it. Leave it right where it's at. Drop it. Go, run. So I encourage you, maybe just to sit down with God and say, God, are there any traps in my life that I've just been sitting down and having lunch with and I need to turn and I need to run away? Can I tell you that sometimes the traps, though, even if you do the right thing, will still get you in trouble? Joseph turned and ran, and you know what? Listen, if he would have just slept with her, nobody would have ever known. And that's what the world tries. Nobody's going to know. Just do it. It's okay. And when you don't do it, then people start to false claims, right? And what does Potiphar's wife go? Oh, that horrible slave Jewish guy. He tried to sleep with me. Here's his cloak to prove it. Oh, you know, that Christian, they say they, they love God, but I've heard them speak sometimes. And they start to twist your words. Oh, I, I've seen them make mistakes, as if we're not supposed to have mistakes. Oh, I've seen them do this. I've see, heard them say that. Well, I know who they really are. That's one of the greatest tools of the enemy. Remember your past? Remember who you used to be? I know who you really are. I know what you're really up to. You can play this God card for a little bit, but the real you will come out. And the problem is, is that we start to believe that lie. Dang, they're right. No, I'm not going to let the trap hold me back. I'm not going to let a purpose killer get in the way of my life. And he runs, but here's the problem. He goes to prison for doing the right thing. Joseph runs and his wife is like, Potiphar's wife is like, he, he went after me. He tried to see me. If it wasn't for the fact that I screamed, I would have, he would have just had his way with me. And Joseph's like, I didn't do anything. And Potiphar was so mad. He's like, I gave you everything. And the one thing, and he doesn't even ask him aside, just throws him in jail. But can I tell you there's purpose even in your jail? Which is the next point. There's power in your prison. How many ever felt like you've, you've been through it? You're, you're like trapped in a spiritual prison. You're just walking through hell. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there where I felt so far from God, and, and I'm like, God, what, what, why are we doing this? Why, why are you doing this to me? Why do I feel this way? Why, are, why am I, Do I not serve you well? And I'm sure Joseph had these conversations with God because it's okay to do these things, right? And, God, and, and Joseph's like, God, I ran from, I didn't, I didn't do that. I ran. Why am I in prison? Let me show you why. Because in Genesis 39, 20 through 21, it says, So he took Joseph and he threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. That line again. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph, what? A favorite with the prison warden. When you walk through circumstances in your life that you have no control over, when your godly character shows out, God gives you favor even in those moments. He was in prison for years for something he didn't do. 
Once again, don't you think Joseph had the right to cry and complain and, and kick rocks at God and be like, what the heck? Once again, God, we're going to go back to the promise. You said I was going to, you said my brothers were going to bow down to me. And here he is in prison and, and, and the story of the other people that were thrown in prison and he is a, a dream interpreter and he, and he interprets the dreams and, and he just says, remember me when you get out. Listen, your purpose might need a prison to produce God's power. Your purpose might need to walk through something that breathes the faith out of you, that shows you what you're made of, that says, hey, everything that you've been instilling in your life, now it's time to show up and put it into work. When that coworker tries to get you to, to do everything you can to lose your spirituality, and you go, nah, I'm not going to buy into that prison. I'm not going to let you take everything that I've worked so hard between me and God and kill my purpose. There's power in what he went through. We need valleys in order to join the mountaintops. We learn in the struggles. Um, I'm coaching soccer. Me and, me and Jerry, we're, we, we have no clue what we're doing, but we're doing it. Okay? Jerry tells me, you're a natural. No, I'm just, I'm good at yelling at kids, I guess. I don't know. Like, that's what I do. I got a whistle and I yell. But I try, you know, one of the things that I try to instill in them when I'm working with the offense is not to give up because if there's one thing I know about soccer is it never stops. Even when the time runs out, it just keeps going. Like if you've ever watched soccer, it's like, it says zeros. Why are they still playing? I don't understand this. They just keep playing. It's like time is irrelevant. And they run constantly. There's like no breaks. And so during practice, the, the, the boys are running around and, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll run these drills and then they'll just stop and they'll walk. And that's when I get irritated, not irritated, just coachy. Um, and I'm like, we don't stop on the soccer field. Let's go. This is me. You don't believe me? Just come out on Tuesday. Well, don't come out on Tuesday. We'll be playing a game and I won't yell too much, hopefully. Um, but during practice, I'm constantly driving. Why? Because we don't give up. We don't stop. We keep going. And it's the same with our faith. You don't stop. Just because you meet a bump in the road, just because you're in a prison in the moment, God is saying, keep going. There's more in you. I believe in you. I trust you. I have given you this purpose. Just keep going. Press on. Your promise is on the other end of the process. And lastly, there's a lot in between this, so you should go read all this because there's a lot that happens in between this, but the promise is fulfilled. He gets out of prison. He interprets the Pharaoh's dream and says, listen, there's seven years of an amazing bumper crops coming, and we need to start storing that away because after those seven years, there's going to be seven years of famine. And if we don't do that, people are going to die of starvation. And Pharaoh's like, wow, nobody else could interpret this dream. You're in charge. <laughs> he goes, I'm making you second in command of all of Egypt. Matter of fact, when I, so same thing that Potiphar says, right? When I speak or when you speak, it's like I'm speaking. Here's my insignia ring. Whatever you say goes. But all of the land. He went from prison to purpose. Because he was faithful. So many of us stop in the prison of our life. So many of us stop when it's hard. So many of us stop our faith because, God, when I came to you, I thought it was supposed to be just amazing. You know what? There's going to be amazing moments, and there's going to be moments that you wish you never had to face. And any pastor and any Christian that tells you otherwise, they're not reading the Bible. The bad times are going to happen. It's called life. 
The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We're all going to face them. It's how we face them. It's the, the strength in which we face them. It's in the spirit in which we face them. I am not doing this alone because Scott would fail on so many levels. But the God that is in Scott is the one that drives him when he wants to quit. He's the God of miracles. When I look back and I go, look at the lives that have changed. And I look around this room and story after story of people I never knew four and a half years ago. And I look at your lives and I go, look at all God has done. Why would I stop? Because the enemy tries to say, wow, Scott, you suck. Get behind me. I'm running. And you can put me in whatever prison you want, but I'm going to be faithful to the God that I serve. And you know what? Some days they're going to feel like prison and some days they're going to feel powerful. But nonetheless, my God is faithful and I'm going to serve him no matter what, because in the end, I birth a purpose. And Joseph has kids birthed out of this, literal kids, okay? He births two sons. Manasseh and Ephraim. He names his first son Manasseh, and he says, it's because God made me forget all my troubles. In other words, he released the past. And his second son, he names Ephraim, and he says, it's because God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He gave me purpose. Can I tell you, when you walk through the tough seasons in life, if you hold on, if you're faithful, if you don't just try to get through it, but you try to learn through it and grow through it, God is going to give you a Manessa and an Ephraim. He's going to allow you to look back on your past and say, God has brought me from the hurt in my life, and I've released the past, and he's gave me an Ephraim. He's gave me a purpose in the land where everybody said I would die. Well, you don't understand. I'm getting, I'm getting older, and I don't understand. I haven't, no. Age is just a number. Purpose knows no age. I've told you about the pastor that we first served under full-time. 70-something years old. I'm going to quit after 20 years of serving this church, and I'm going to go start an orphanage in Mexico. What? Bro, don't you know at 70 you're supposed to retire and go live in Mexico? On a beach somewhere, sipping something cold. Not go start an orphanage there. Why? Because purpose is not a respecter of age or person. You could wake up tomorrow with a dream that you never even knew. Oh, I got to do this. I, I've got to become this person. And, and, and you know what? If, listen, 21 years. How many ever felt like, man, life is, I, I can't wait. I need, to, I need to microwave life. I need to put it in, and God just needs to produce something. 21 years, Joseph was 17. It took 21 years for him to see the fulfillment of his brothers bowing down to him. How many would have remained faithful to God in 21 years? Sold into slavery. His dad thinks he's dead. He gets lied about, gets thrown in prison. And through all of this, the recurring story is the Lord was with him because he was faithful. Just because you ain't seen the promise yet doesn't mean that he's not producing in you. And it's that faithfulness. What does Jesus say to people when he got healed? I'm magical, so I healed you. No, he doesn't say that, right? Jesus doesn't say that. He says, you are healed. Why? Because of your faith. 
It's the ability to hold on and believe. Listen, 12 years, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, went to every doctor, every magician, every person that could do anything. They just messed her up even more. All she wanted to do, all she did was beg at the hem of Jesus. I need something more than what I've got. And begged and just, just didn't want to, didn't want to inconvenience Jesus. He was walking somewhere. He, she said, I just need a change. Touches him. And he's like, whoa, somebody touched me. Disciples were really confused. Yeah, there's a lot of people touching you, Jesus. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me with purpose. After 12 years, her healing was there. I'm telling you, if you just push, press into your faith, keep, keep driving. God, I, you know what? Whether it's today, tomorrow, next year, I know that there's fulfillment in the purpose. I know that my healing is, in the, is coming. I know that, that my, my calling is going to be fulfilled. You may have to walk through some tough times, but I promise you, stick with it. Drive through. Continue to be faithful. Stay close to Jesus. Stay connected to your people. We will walk it out together, and we will see the fulfillment. Listen, there are fulfillments in the house that I still believe in God. We ain't even touched the surface of what God is wanting to do here. Not in your life, not in my life, not in this house, not in Camden. Why? I'm going to be like Joseph. You can say all you want. You can tell me all you want. I'm going to have deaf and dumb ears because I believe that Jesus is in the miracle making business and he's still going to do something here. And listen, if I have to, if I have to work a second job for the next 21 years, Jesus, I'm just playing. Um, I'm serious. So I would because I've got a calling and a purpose that is bigger than just a paycheck. Because your story matters. Because when I look around, I don't just go, God, look, a seat that's finally filled. Oh, I'm so thankful that the seat, no, I see Blake, somebody who we would have probably never been introduced to and, and, and never had life, uh, do life with. And, and somehow we, through, through a friend, through Sky, you know, sitting in the back, just, hey, my, uh, my, my pastor's got a house to rent. Now we're friends and they come to church and serving in ministry and you have a purpose. We have a purpose. And I'm not done yet and God isn't done yet until we take our final breath. I don't want to believe and quit and give up. Sharice. I want to end with two things that Joseph tells his brothers. In Genesis 45, 5, he looks at his brothers and he says this, do not be angry. And then after his dad died, the, the brothers were afraid that that was now going to change their situation with them. And they're like, you're going to be off. You're going to kill us, ain't you? Now that dad's gone, you're going you're gonna to do us wrong, aren't you? And Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And when you can have a biblical perspective of what you walk through, when you have the pity party, you get back up the next day and you go, okay, God, we're doing it your way, not my way anyway, so who cares? I've been there. I've told you, I've listened countless times. I've told you the story of, of the day we realized we weren't going to be able to continue to pay my salary here. It would have been really easy to just go, oh, good try. <laughs> and if you don't think that I didn't lay my head down and go, God, why? Why would you do this to me? Have I not been faithful? 
have I not served you well? Oh, and the enemy would love that. He would love for me to just sit there and wallow in that. But I did what he can't stand is I worshiped God in the process. And I put on worship and I just said, God, I don't have to have the answers, but you do. And I just sat and I prayed, God, my calling doesn't change because my paycheck changes. My purpose doesn't change because the, the, the suit that I wear, the, the uniform I wear looks different Monday through Friday because who I am is deep inside of me. And I allowed that little pity party for just a second in the worship pit. And I said, nah, we're getting back in the ring. Good try, Satan. We're coming after you and we're coming back hard. And I woke up the next morning and I said, okay, game on. I said, whatever you got for me, God, let's go. It's not easy. I, listen, there are many a days, and I, I'll be, I love being transparent with you because I want you to know my heart always, and it's not to, to give you a pity party because, I, listen, I don't live in pity parties. I just don't believe in them. But if you don't think there aren't Mondays where I wake up and I go, man, I really wish I was going to the church and not to the police department, oh, yeah, trust me, there are. But you know what? There's purpose in my life, and if I have to walk through some of these seasons, if Joseph can wait 21 years, why can't I? Why can't you? The key is being faithful. The key is being faithful. I'll end with what Paul says in Philippians 1.6. He says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work with you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. In other words, don't stop pursuing him in your hard times. He promises you life and life abundantly, but we have to play the part in this life. It's a choice. You have a choice to wake up and to listen to the enemy and to let Potiphar's wife take you to bed and allow your life to go however you want it to go or trust God. Even if it means waiting 21 years or 12 years or 40 years like Moses or 30-something years like David. Jesus had to wait 30 years before he walked in ministry. Waiting on the right time for God's purpose to be initiated into our life. But we're not just waiting. We're working in the waiting. We're building our faith in the waiting for God to do his miracles in his moments with his purpose. Let's pray. And I just feel like there's some people in here that maybe you're, you're, you're sitting in your waiting season where it's been tough. Maybe you feel like you're in your prison. You're saying, Pastor, I need prayer because I need the faith to be built up in me to walk through my waiting and work through my waiting. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand so I could pray for you? Amen. Amen. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're going, man, I feel like I've been sitting in prison. And I just want the strength to do what God has called me to do and be the person that God has called me to be. Maybe your prayer today is just for faithfulness. If that's you, I just want to pray for your faith to be built up. If that's you, would you, would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I pray for those. I'm just sitting here going, I want to be like Joseph. I want, I, I want to be faithful. 
I want when that sentence is written to me that says that when the world looks at me, they see somebody who the Lord is with and there was favor on their life. I want to be the person that when I walk through the prisons and the, the strong parts of the hard parts of my life that I walk with it with a God-sized mindset on. Where I don't have to have it all together. It's okay to have days where I'm not okay, but I'm going to walk through it and not allow the enemy to throw a pity party and sit in there. I'm going to ask for God's perspective through it all and I'm going to walk through it faithfully. As I wait, I work. As I wait, I work. When it gets hard, I put in the work. I pray. I'm faithful to God. I do the things that I know that I'm supposed to do, and I do it with a passion and a purpose that only God can provide. And so, God, I pray, build our faith the way that you would want it. Let our lives so shine that people would see the goodness of our life and be drawn to you, Father. when we go to Walmart or our work, our friends and families, that God, that as we sit patiently in the waiting, we're working our lives for the glory of God. God, birth purpose in people's lives today. Start to speak the purpose into people's lives today, God. That when we go about our, our week next week, God, something inside of us would start to well up and say, I am made for more. thank you for that. God, I pray for those that give through tithe and offering, and I pray, Jesus, that we continue to be able to use it for the glory of the kingdom of God here in Camden. That lives are changed. People are made whole. Relationships are built strong. God, our faith is made stronger, and we are drawn closer to you. That we would be known as a, as a church community, as a faith community that is loving and kind and growing always. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. 